Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm the older brother, and Matt looks up to me in every way possible, except for height, because he's taller. With me is Matt. <laughs> okay. Say hello. <laughs> hello, everybody. Before we get into the episode, I just want to remind everybody we have a way to directly support the podcast which then indirectly supports the channel. You can go to stilltbd.fm, and in the middle of the screen there, you will see a link, and that link will take you to a place where you can throw some pennies in the tip jar. We greatly appreciate the support from our listeners. Today's episode is going to focus on, are we ready for Elon Musk's neural link future? Question mark. And this is from March 2nd, 2021. And I think the obvious answer is no. We are not ready for Elon Musk's Neuralink. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> uh, lots of mixed feelings. It really that's, is that's lots of mixed feelings. Yeah, yeah. And it's because I, I think this, one of the reasons there's lots of mixed feelings is because I, and I assume that you were in the same place with this, we're coming out at it from it really is an ableist perspective we would look at this as oh what does this do to me that is going to make my life easier or more exciting or adventurous as opposed to could this help me with my epilepsy blindness deafness the 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 things that this could target in people's lives that would fundamentally change who they are as people and how they view themselves and how they're able to interact with society is astounding. We are not of that group. We are of the group that it would be like, oh, would this make messaging mom and dad easier? Would this make making grocery lists easier? Could I watch television while sleeping? Could I like the, for us, it's, for us, it's, it's additives. It's, entertainment and a layer to our interactive world our interconnectivity as opposed to fundamentally changing how our personhood exists. And I think that that for now, and for I think now. that that was really highlighted <laughs> by some of the comments right off the bat. I started looking at the comments in the video and they were very moving. Um, just jumping into some of the first ones. Abher Lokes wrote, I'm a paraplegic who's had several surgeries and procedures to try to regain some function back with no success. I obviously don't want to be one of the first test subjects, but if I see paras and quads walking and I'm missing out, it's a no brainer. I'm 25. So I have time and the paraplegia is due to a fall. So I'd hope I'd be a good candidate. One of the responses to that was from Al Enyo who wrote, I'm not paraplegic, but suffer from a debilitating autoimmune disease. Went from being very healthy, active, and fit to being sedentary and needing to be driven to doctor's appointments. The drug therapies don't work for me. Being hooked to an IV for three hours every few weeks. Personally, I would be willing to be the first to become a brain in a jar controlling a cybernetic shell and hope I live long enough to do so. So... Yeah, Futurama, Futurama future, future um, right out of, I mean, the the 
I can't even begin to tell you the number of sci-fi stories that were, you know, major things from the past few years and, and our childhood, the shows and movies that were going through my head as I was watching your video. Yeah. Um, and most recently for me, one of the recent seasons of the video game destiny focused on this exact technology, the invention by a scientist of a exoskeleton shell that humans could upload their brain into. And his reasons for doing that were effectively the pursuit of immortality. So, we're seeing uh, there's references by Musk himself saying this is like a black mirror episode. Um, it's altered yes. carbon. If you ever read those books yes. or seen that yeah. show, it's the same thing. Um, like you at the end of your, your video, you talked about being conflicted and I'm right there with you because I see such opportunity for people who the first steps of this would be truly breathtaking. And you can go to YouTube and you can look for videos of children hearing their parents' voice for the first time. Yeah, they with yeah. cybernetic implants to into the ear to allow people to hear. And the responses of a four-year-old who's hearing his mother say his name for the first time. And the just look on his face as he experiences sound for the first time. And this would be a next step and a next evolution to that, but it comes with some scary downsides when you think about, yeah, it's got, yeah. it's got some baggage. <laughs> it's, it's dragging and along. I'll ask you to, to follow up with your thoughts on this after I share one of my thoughts on this, which is one of the first things I thought of was you've got a company that is going to be responsible for the security and health around your memories and your personhood. And mm -hmm. Musk at one point speculates into a future where he says you could effectively download a backup of your memories and have that as a backup or even upload it into another body or a robotic body. And I couldn't help but think you could also alter things. You could change things. You could change people's yep. thinking. You could implant memories. Yep. And memory is such a strange thing to begin with. Um, that for me is, I mean, it, it reaches a point where it's, <laughs> <laughs> you seem to be a little like tongue-tied well, of like it's just I kind of like back, a bah, i go back to something kind of moment. you and i spoke of recently which was um our alma mater both you and i went to the same school for undergrad we also went to the same school for graduate work but that's another story <laughs> um yes <laughs> but our alma mater has just announced that they are starting a new line of study with a degree in tech ethics. And this is, this is the kind of breakthroughs in technology and research and technology that demands that the 
ethics studies catch up. And it's no different from medical ethics. Scientists and doctors doing experiments in the earliest days of medical research, modern medical research, that by today's standards are unethical. And we mm -hmm. know things based on research done by doctors to prison populations, um, slave populations that are nightmarish to consider, but we know things because of that research. And I think we're looking at this as part of the next wave of that, a technology that has moved so quickly. When you think about the sci-fi representations of this kind of thing, it's always the far future. It's always like, oh, it's, it's 2050, 2070. It's, it's out there. We don't have to worry about it right now. Yeah. It's here we are with, um, with a man who, depending on the lighting, could be a Bond villain saying, and you could yes. upload your backup into another body and then effectively live forever. <laughs> Just give him a white cat. Just give him a chair, a white cat, and a spotlight <laughs> right above him. Um, <laughs> So I've just gone on for quite a while about like the unnerving quality of this and, and my, my desire yes. for ethics, ethics to, to be injected to this. And, and that's not to say that he's fundamental, that it's fundamentally a problem. It's just, it hasn't been examined in that way. So I'm wondering about your response. You talked about, you talked about being conflicted and you talked about not going into the details of what the procedure looks like. There's a whole host of, of. Yeah dark shadows behind your video. And I'm wondering about some of those dark shadows for you. Well, <laughs> the machine that they built <laughs> that, was uh, like, that, that I was... showed in the video, it, it looks, it looks yeah. horrifying to me. Cause I, of course am imagining what a person would look like sitting in this machine going on their head, just going like, like a sewing machine in their brain. It's essentially what it's doing. That's horrifying. And at the same time, it's kind of awe inspiring what they've done. But it's like, I, I don't, I, I would not want to be the first person. I would not want to be one of the first thousand people. I would wait till there's been millions of people. And then there's a really good right. reason for me to do this because it looks just terrifying to me. I literally just uh, the other day watched an episode of <laughs> Star Wars Clone Wars where some of the clones are recognizing that there's something in their head. And one of them goes through yes. a storyline where he is trying to figure out what this thing is and, and volunteers to have a droid perform brain surgery on him to get this thing out and it's yeah. framed as a very terrifying moment for him and the first thing i thought of in your video when you showed that robot i was just like oh my god it's that machine where you're lying down with a machine and saying yeah. go ahead and go into my brain yeah i mean you're talking to a guy that when I went to, Na I got to go to NASA, I get a behind the scenes tour. I went into the vehicle assembly building where they built the Apollo rockets and all the space shuttles. And when I walked into that building, it, for me, it was like walking into my cathedral. It's like, I walked in, I, I actually teared up and got emotional just from the sheer size and scope and history mm -hmm. of that building and what it represented for what, when we put our minds to it, we can do anything. And so when I look at Neuralink. I have the same feeling of like, this is just awe-inspiring what we can do if we put our minds to it. And then there's that immediate right after it of like, but holy crap, what does this mean for the future? Because it's not all 
sunshine and rainbows and unicorns dancing through the fields it's it's black mirror it's like it's like opening pandora's box for a lot of this is kind of my take on it it's like there's gonna be a lot of bad that comes with the good is it worth going down this path for the gains yes i do think it is but there's like this whole host (laughs) of horrific things that could happen it's like today we were struggling with crispr where we can do genetic manipulations that we're not even dreamt that we couldn't even dream of doing 30 years ago and that cat's out of the bag and so it's like even if in the united states we have the proper ethics and the proper things put in place there's going to be somebody in the world that's not going to pay attention to any of those ethics and is going to do some crazy horrible stuff with crispr so it's the same thing with this it's like as we perfect this technology collectively as a species not specifically Neuralink. it's just like you're there's going to be people in this world that will not be following ethics or rules or morals or what should or should not be done. And we're going to end up with altered carbon futures, strange days. And you talked about like manipulating memories was the very first thing that popped in my head, which is why I thought of strange days. It's like, we're already at the cusp today because of machine learning of being able to create deep fake videos that are becoming more and more indistinguishable from reality. So in five to 10 years, there's going to be, you know, hold the whole fake news thing. It's going to be fake it's memories. Like you, yeah. It's like, you won't be able to, t- it's, it's, it's going to turn into fake memories eventually. And that's what scares me. It's like, there's a point at which where it turns into a Philip K. Dick yeah. novel of, is, is this my life or is this not my life? Did this actually happen to me or was this put in or manipulated by somebody? And it turns into schizophrenia, paranoia, crazy town. And that's what my brain went to. Now, is that possible? Yes. Are we going to go there? Maybe, maybe not. But that was the big, I'm yeah. torn that I was talking about at the end of the video of just like, holy, holy crap, where is this going to go? Because <laughs> we got we to gotta put some checks in place and we have to make sure that things are, like you said, the technology ethics, and we have to try to enforce those around the world. And we tried, and I mean, I'm not talking about the United States. I'm talking collectively. We need to make sure that we're all lockstep on this because- the rate of innovation is happening so fast and increasing. Laws are always lagging yeah. behind what we're doing. They have struggled. They have they struggle to keep up. But today, it's 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 getting even worse because this technological innovation rate is speeding up. So that gap is closing, which is making it even harder for laws to keep up. So we have to figure that out. Or <laughs> it's it is going to be a Black Mirror episode that we're going to be living. Yeah. And it's, it also brings with it the, it seems like it would be a magnifying glass on a gap between the haves and the have nots as well, because this would not be, yeah, this altered carbon. That's the entire entire point of that show is that (laughs) there's an elite society that effectively lives forever. Um, and just the philosophical hoops that, I end up stumbling through of if you download and upload your consciousness to another thing, are you in effect immortal or is it just a different and is it truly, is it truly you? And yeah, uh, that would be an entirely different podcast. So I won't, (laughs) I won't follow that too far, but it really, 
But let me let me interrupt let me interrupt you for all the listeners and viewers out there. Sean was a philosophy yeah, major in college. <laughs> so he could he could go on for about this yeah, could, for I a could, very long time. I could talk for a while about this. <laughs> um and I mean you if you if anybody out there is interested in my thoughts about if you have a double is it you or is it not, I recommend my novel Man in the Empty Suit, which is indirectly yes. about this kind of thing um yes and excellent it involves book, by the way. a time traveler who ends up discovering that a version of himself may have in fact murdered a later version of himself so um this is something i've wrestled with <laughs> in the past <laughs> and and the gap between the haves and the have-nots it it goes back to this is this is an issue around medicine that is really a, a a tragedy of our modern era that we have the ability to do certain things for people who are able to pay and this came up recently unrelated to this this video but it it feels connected in that larger way um during the pandemic my girlfriend and I have been looking for things to watch on TV that in some cases are just kind of like mindless, just watch the people run around on the screen. And I'm a big fan of cooking shows and I'm a fan of competition cooking shows. And having gone through all of the great British baking show, we turned to an American show, which is the American version of MasterChef and decided to go back to the beginning of that program. So we've been watching episodes which are 10 years old. And we just finished the third season. And one of the two finalists in that was a, a young man named Josh. And it was the two, the two finalists were a woman named Christine who is blind. And she wowed everybody throughout the entire season with her ability to cook so well without being able to see. And the other contestant was a young man named Josh, who I think was around 25 years old. And at the end of every episode, we would look up the contestants and see what happened to them after they got voted off of the show. And Josh's route through the show was he was voted off the show as part of, I think it was like the final eight. And then they had an episode where they brought back people who'd been voted off and they had a competition to see if one of them could win a place back in the program. And he did that. So he was voted off and then ended up coming back. When he got voted off the first time, I looked him up to see whatever happened to him. And it turned out that a year after MasterChef season three, he shot and killed himself. And it was because he wrestled with bipolar disorder and he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and the news reports that I read about it described it as the schizophrenia triggered such a severe depression in him. The diagnosis was so hard for him to manage that it sent him over the edge. His mother was trying to get him into an inpatient facility, but he didn't have the right kind of insurance. So he couldn't get the treatment right. he needed. He ended up trying to commit suicide and failed. And as a result of the attempt was arrested and put in a jail cell and went untreated for a full 10 days before he was released. 
And then because of other complications in her life, his mother had to take care of another child. And while doing that, he went off, got a gun, was wandering around the neighborhood and ended up successfully killing himself. For all of that to have happened, largely because he had the wrong kind of insurance that he couldn't get the hospitalization mm -hmm. he needed, made me so angry and so sad. And this neural link video makes me worry that there's another layer to that kind of struggle that two people could have the exact same condition. And one person who's able to pay for this kind of treatment would successfully move out mm -hmm. of a wheelchair or blindness or struggling with epilepsy and somebody else who did not have the finances would continue to suffer from that. And you'd see a mm -hmm. widening of that gap between the haves and the have nots. Another place where people without are forced to, to suffer. And I think that that's, again, it loops back to the questions of ethics. How do we make the circle larger to include more people? And I don't know how, I don't have an answer to that, but it does make me, I struggle with that. I question that. Um, well, in a free market, the way that you do that is you get the products and those services to be as cheap as humanly possible, which Elon has talked about Neuralink, he, their, their target price for getting a, a Neuralink installed. He basically is, keeps equating it to LASIK. Like you'd be in and out of there just like you would with a, a LASIK procedure and you'd be in and out of there from your pocketbook for a similar cost so it's not going to be tens of thousands of dollars you're talking about a couple thousand dollars to get this thing jammed <laughs> into your brain <laughs> which is still a lot of money but that's far cheaper than you would expect it to be so it's like that's one path to try to get to this is if this kind of technology is proven out and safe and they can mass produce it at scale it's like an iPhone or a smartphone. There's going to be a point at which <laughs> scrape together a few hundred bucks going and get the thing stuck in your brain. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a possibility. So it's it's one of those, I, I, I totally agree with you. I'm 100% with you. But on the other side, I think there is a path for some of this stuff to be done in a way that's actually affordable in a more universal way. Um, I don't think it's a, foregone conclusion that this would be altered carbon where you have the super rich living in above the clouds right. with their <laughs> immortality and the rest of us are down below scraping things together i don't think it's going to get with specifically Neuralink at, 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 at the core i don't think that's necessarily going to happen with Neuralink. but uh yeah i totally i totally agree with you there there is an issue with the funding and how do you make this equitable to everybody give everybody a fair shot to get the benefits and yeah. If and when they if arrive. If and when they arrive. <laughs> and you mentioned yeah. Facebook doing research into this. And oh, God. <laughs> that's, do, do, you, do you want Mark Zuckerberg to know what you're thinking? Because that's seriously what they're doing. They're building something that will be able to glean. I'd be more worried. Your thoughts. Like, I mean, that is a worry, but I'd be more worried that you'd wake up in the morning craving everything that they had advertised to you while you were asleep. You know that they would do that. You'd wake up and be like, 
<laughs> well, I don't know why, but I absolutely I need, Doritos. need to eat some Eggos. <laughs> why do I want Eggos so badly? I don't know. I feel like I've been dreaming about Eggos. Um, yeah, the... And again, this stuff doesn't exist yet, but you have to think... This is still early days. This is still very, I'm just, I'm very just thinking early days. about the end user license agreement um, that would come with oh, this. Man. People who are listening to this, if in five, 10 years you have the opportunity to get a neural link, read that document. I know we don't. We click accept and we just move forward with our day. But for the love of God, read that EULA. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because <laughs> who knows what you're giving away? Transitioning to the second half of our program, as usual. Yeah, Something a little more a little lighter. lighter and yeah. Yeah, I got a little heavy there for a minute. This is, it is heavy stuff. It is heavy stuff, but it's also, yeah. we're not there yet. But I think that this is the time to wrestle with these questions. And it is time, it is, I was very glad to see that our school um, is Nazareth College of Rochester, by the way. I was very glad to see that they were doing something like this. More schools need to do something like this. There need to be more people coming out of college with this kind of, of training and the habits built around questioning in this way. It's only going to become more complicated. These things are only going to become more prevalent and it's going to be, you know, your, your neural link is not going to be in isolation. Your neural link is going to, help with your interactions with everything from your car to your refrigerator. I mean, coming home from work and your refrigerator sends you a message that you're out of eggs, like stuff like mm -hmm. that, that we're going to be connected in ways potentially or wrestling with the question of whether we want to be connected. And there needs to be that kind of, there needs to be people who are already thinking about these layers of complication before we get there. Because if we just get there, yeah. you end up with the kinds of, you end up, Facebook. Well, you do end up with Facebook. <laughs> you also end up with, like I mentioned, the, the yes. kinds of medical, medical practices prior to ethical considerations and things like the overuse of frontal lobotomies, um, forced yeah. sterilizations, things like that. So, again, I was about to transition to the lighter side, and then we slipped right back into the darker side. But transitioning <laughs> now to the second half of our show where we talk about things that we have been watching, enjoying, trying to take our minds off this darker side. And, Matt, as usual, I'm flipping a coin. Call it. Still in the air. Call it. Heads. Heads. Okay, heads, you win. Heads. You get to go first. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I've been super busy this past week so i my consumption has been limited but there's a couple of things i've i've watched uh recently uh one of which they're actually both on apple tv uh which is funny because they they keep putting out stuff that i keep watching they're they're, they're becoming the new hbo of <laughs> of the tv world in my opinion um i am not a billy eilish fan I barely know Billie Eilish. I see her every around every once in a while. And sometimes I hear songs in the background. I'm like, what is that? Oh, that's Billie Eilish. Uh, but her, a documentary just came out. Um, 
on Friday, I believe it was. Um, it's called Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. And it's a documentary. She basically had a film crew that was following her around for basically a year. Um, it's, I watched it and it's two and a half hours, which is excessive. And the documentary is obviously you're following somebody's life. So there's not like a clear beginning, middle, and end. It's very voyeuristic. But the thing that impre- I, I got wrapped into it because it was fascinating to watch somebody who's at the beginning of the video, at the beginning of the movie, she's like just turned 17. And by the end, she's 18. She is so young and so crazy talented. And she comes from a very unique family. She's super close to her brother. And the documentary, seeing what it looks like with two talented musicians just being creative in a bedroom, literally recording an entire album in her bedroom just the two of them. And that's the album that ended up winning all the Grammys this year. <laughs> it's, it's like it, knowing that she won all these Grammys and here she is sitting cross-legged in her bed and her brother sitting in front of a computer and she's just singing into a microphone. And it was like, that's, that's nuts. It is just nuts. These two very quirky, talented kids are just putting together this amazing music and it was fun to watch them work. But by the end of the movie, I became a big fan of hers, not necessarily of her music, but of her, because she is so, came across as very authentic. And it was interesting to see somebody that's basically going through what Katy Perry went through, what Justin Bieber went through, where they rocketed Mm -hmm. to stardom. Like they were a nobody one day, and literally the next year, they were the most sought after person on the planet. That's basically what she's gone through. And it was interesting to see what that is like for somebody in that position. And that's one of the things that the documentary does really well. It's a very raw view on somebody who has anxiety issues. She has, you know, self-doubts. And it was interesting to see those being played out and her desire to be the perfect pop star and and to try to always give the fans what they want, even though it's kind of destroying her (laughs) to do it it was fascinating to watch that and just really made me admire her a a lot for what she does and her music's good i I, it's like i actually got to know her music watching the documentary and i listened to the album a few times now um i wouldn't say it's a great documentary but it was fascinating i was i was kind of just i got wrapped into it more than i was expecting and it was it was it's worth a watch um the other thing that I watched, I've been watching, is a show called Servant on Apple TV. And it's produced by M. Night Shyamalan. And I'm a huge M. Night fan until he went off the rails and just like <laughs> destroyed destroyed what was it, Avatar, The Last Airbender, which is one of the greatest TV shows ever made. And he made one of the worst movies ever made from a wonderful product. Uh He's finding his niche again. He's finding his voice and his footing and him producing the show. It has a very M. Night quality to it, even though he's not directing them all, but he set the tone of the filmmaking for it. It's a really good show. It is really good. It stars, um, the I can't remember his name, the actor who played uh, Weasley from uh, the Harry Potter oh, right. movies. Uh, yeah. Rupert Grint. Uh Rupert Grint is, yeah, Rupert Grint. Um, He plays the character Julian, and he is my favorite character in the show. My wife, he is is so quirky and great in that show. The show is just like a gigantic mystery box inside of a mystery box inside of a mystery box. It's never quite clear 
who's the actual bad guy who's the monster because it's a horror movie a horror tv show it's like who's the monster of the show it's like it constantly is morphing and you think it's this one thing and then it actually is the protagonist that you've been following you're like wait they're actually kind of the monster and like goes back and keeps weaving and then there's this whole thing of like is this supernatural is there something supernatural going on here or is this just in everybody's heads and so there's this wonderful just playing with twisting reality and you don't know what's you're always the ground is always shifting underneath you and it always keeps you on edge and it's very suspenseful it's funny it's at times terrifying we just watched a couple this entire season two my wife and i keep saying this show is weird this show is getting crazy weird i can't what is going on here there's this one character in the show that is this uncle of the nanny that's the servant and he is just, <laughs> I don't know what he is. <laughs> he does things where it's like it, it, snot dripping from his nose, bl- black teeth, and just looking like he hasn't taken a bath in five years. It's like he is disgusting and yet you're horrified of him. And then at other times you're like, well, I think he might actually be the hero of this whole show. And it's like, wait, no, no, he's doing what, what are you doing that for? So there's just a whole bunch of just weird stuff going on, on the show that I really love it. If you have Apple TV plus, you really need to check out the show. I thought season one was good. Season two is even better than season one. Really good acting, really good writing. I love the filmmaking. It's, it's definitely worth checking. That sounds, out. that sounds remarkably good. And right in my wheelhouse right now. Um, and as far as the Eilish documentary, I like her music a lot. I'm very impressed with her sophistication and her age combined. And I would be fascinated by yes. a conversation. Yeah. I, I'm less inclined to want to watch the documentary as much as I would like to watch a conversation between her and Fiona Apple. Because Fiona Apple lived through <laughs> that herself. Yes. And at the time that she won awards for her first album, she called bullshit on the on the entire industry. And then the industry effectively pushed her out and she has now independently come back in a certain way and has released an album recently, which is considered amazing. And she has always stayed true to that core of herself that looked for art as a means of self-expression, as opposed to a means to get to celebrity. And I would be interested in Mm -hmm. seeing a conversation between one artist who is effectively the, very similar to the other one, but 20 years, 25 years older. I think that would be a fascinating conversation. Yes. Yeah. For me, I have two different things I want to talk about Two One is uh, two recommendations that I would like to throw out there. And the other thing I want to talk about is some recommendations based on Matt's Neuralink video. So my first things that I want to refer to are, Regular listeners will remember that we are in the midst of a Polly Platt filmography watch. This week's film was Witches of Eastwick. I had never seen it before. It is a fantastic movie. I did not realize it was directed by Miller, who directed Mad Max. Uh, I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was the same director at all. Mm-hmm. Um, stars Jack Nicholson, Cher, Susan Sarandon, and Michelle Pfeiffer. And it is based on a novel by John Updike and just top to bottom. It is a fun movie with it never gets full dark horror, but it gets, it gets horror weird and it's, it's a lot of fun. It is a strange 
story of empowerment and the struggle between empowerment and manipulation. And Jack Nicholson's character is one who uses the language of empowerment to manipulate. So it's largely about uh, gaslighting. It is about subjugation of one gender under the other. And it is it it hits a lot of things in a really interesting way while also being some amazing performances. So I recommend it. The other thing that I'd like to recommend is Crime Scene, The Vanishing at Cecil Hotel. And this is a documentary series that is available on Netflix right now. It's four episodes. And it's a very interesting documentary because it starts with the disappearance of a 20-year-old Canadian woman who, in an attempt to have an adventure, goes to LA and stays at a hotel, the Cecil hotel and then disappears. And there is a search for her. The police start reaching out to the public and it is this strange mystery because all of the clues don't add up to what possibly could have happened to her. It doesn't quite look like it was an abduction. It doesn't quite look like she ran away. It doesn't quite look like anything in particular. And there is a video of her in an elevator and she's behaving strangely. And it started this web sleuth fascination with the case. And it starts with that. But then the documentary does several offshoots, and one of them is to circle back to the neighborhood where the hotel is located, which it's located in Skid Row, which in Los Angeles was designed to be the place that all the homeless would be forced to go. They basically cordon off the homeless into this one section and then let it run lawless. So it is an extremely economically depressed. It's one of the, it's described as one of the poorest places on the planet. And the homeless population there is in the tens of thousands. So it is a nightmarish place for a hotel to be. It's the documentary also spins off into the girl's personal history. It spins off into the experiences of other people in the hotel. And it spins off into the history of the hotel itself, which because it was built in the 1920s to be part of this boom of Los Angeles and then the Great Depression hit and the city of Los Angeles changed fundamentally forever, this hotel went from being a stellar place to stay real close to the trains during a boom time. It became a flop house and it has over 700 rooms. So it's a big hotel full of very poor people, many of whom were um, just out of prison, just out of insane asylums, living hand to mouth. Through the 80s and 90s, it became an extremely dangerous place to be. And they interview people who talk about the fact that the upper floors were basically just a murder, murder town. If you went up to those floors, you had a higher likelihood of just dying. So the documentary loops through all these different areas and 
keeps coming back to the disappearance of the girl. And over the four episodes, it slowly changes from being just about the girl's disappearance and what happened to her and the unraveling of the mystery. It also becomes about at the time of her disappearance, the internet was just turning into what we now take it for, for granted with social media and YouTube's explosion and the fascination by web browsers around the world on this case. And then as they became fact, uh, fixated on details, armchair sleuths began to then harass and cyberbully people involved in the investigation. And it really was indirectly mm. about the birth of fake news where people were unwilling to believe <laughs> the police at a certain point and saying, clearly the police are involved in a cover up here. It's an interesting, slow unraveling of the story without hitting all the notes as square on the head as I just described it. But as I was watching, I was like, that's what they're really talking about. They're talking about a community of people who become fixated on conspiracy theories and feed these conspiracy theories because of some need in themselves and are unwilling then to take fact and question things like the medical examiner's report, the police reports, wondering why they're not being given all the information that they feel that they're due. The idea that people felt entitled to all the details of the police investigation to me was crazy. Of course, you're not going to be able to call up yeah. the police and say, give me that file. But people felt entitled to it. And then when the truth came out at the end, some of these people recognized, oh, I went to a weird place. And other people <laughs> involved yeah. in being did not. Did not. And not that they necessarily held yeah. onto the conspiracies, but they held on to now a different part of it. They said, oh, my thinking was right. wrong there, but I still need this. And it's about the investment of right. people into things that are not part of their lives directly, but it gives them some sense of control. And that need for control allows them to redefine what truth is. It's a really, I thought it was a very, very interesting documentary. And it was, I think it's roughly four hours. It's four episodes. So I recommend that. The other thing I wanted to, to give a call out to is in line with Neuralink. Some things to check out that touch base. Matt's already referred to Strange Days. I would also throw out the movie Kafka with Jeremy Irons, which is yeah. a yeah. not a biography of Franz Kafka, but it is a story about Franz Kafka told as if it was written by Franz Kafka. And it includes medical experimentation along the lines of what Matt described in the beginning of his video. People with actual wires implanted in their head and affecting behavior in that way. Another movie would be Existence, which is a Cronenberg film. And it recently resurfaced on, I want to say it's on the CBS app. Um, it's available for streaming. It stars Jude Law and it involves a video game uh, device that is implanted in a person and it affects behavior and experience with the world. So it's basically like if a VR unit could be put inside you and then affect your experience of the world, what would that be like? Uh, another one would be brainstorm, which I think is basically like oh, yeah. the granddaddy for strange days, Christopher Walken, Natalie Wood. 
the story of being able to record memory and how that it affects um, individuals as they began to question, well, if you could record memories, what if you could record the moments leading up to death? And then two, just basically like character throwouts uh, in this vein, one would be watch anything involving the Borg on Star Trek. Yes. Highly recommend uh, Picard. Yeah. That series effectively yes. is dealing with this question directly. And yes, the other thing would be any episode of Futurama where they have the brains, the heads in jars. So two sides of the same coin, one with the serious sci-fi tropes and one with the comedy, but Futurama's heads in jars, we could in fact be heading there. God help us. <laughs> I would like to add one thing to your conspiracy mm-hmm. video you talked about. There's a documentarian named Kirby Ferguson I really, really like. He's an independent filmmaker. He makes small, short videos. You can find him on YouTube, on Vimeo. He has websites for his work. Um, He did a fantastic series called Everything's a Remix that I love. But his most recent documentary series that he's put together is called This Is Not a Conspiracy Theory. And it's just go to thisisnotaconspiracytheory.com and you can either buy it, watch it. Um, His most recent thing he added to it just recently was uh rogan versus jones it's he calls it the ultimate analysis of joe rogan and alex jones um but his documentary series goes in depth into the history of conspiracy theories why we're hardwired for conspiracy theories and how it's affecting us throughout history and today it's a fascinating documentary um really highly recommend uh checking it out Our listeners should let us know if they've already checked any of these out or if they have any additional suggestions for this kind of of thing either in entertainment or documentary either would be welcome as one of our listeners roger stark you said on the last episode he left a comment saying seems like you have 462 comments posted via, via Neuralink." so as roger points out it may have already begun tell us what you think you can find the contact information in the podcast description If you're on YouTube, it'll be right below the video. Please do subscribe. Please don't forget we have a way to directly support the podcast. You can visit stilltbd.fm. You'll see the support podcast link right there and throw a quarter in the bowl. Please be sure to give us a rating or a view and share us with your friends. It really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew tells me the robot is going to put something in my brain. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.